0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Parma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. It's really great to be with you all. Uh, and today, I am really excited to welcome back a uh, friend of mine, a former guest on the show, who is back because um, she has a really great book that's just come out, and we're going to talk about that and all the things to do with that. Um, Abby Norman, welcome Hi. back. show. <laughs> good to
1: be here.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you back. You're my first guest of 2021. Yay! <laughs> and now you're back. It's um, it's fantastic. And you have this great new book out called You Can Talk to God Like That.
1: Yeah, it's um, on pre-order. So it'll be out in the States in May, May 19th, I think. Um, And then in the UK, I think it's out in June.
0: Yeah, it always comes out later here for some reason, though. It's a little bit annoying, but um, but I got an early copy to read.
1: You
0: did. Sure, <laughs> and it's great, and I love it. Um, it's fantastic. So, tell us a bit about this book, and tell us what it's what it's all about.
1: Um, yeah, so I realized um, early on in seminary, I was having really big feelings because I have been a church member. Literally my whole life have always loved the Bible. If there was a Bible study, I wanted to do it, all of that. And then I show up in seminary and they're like, there's like this stuff in the Bible that I don't know about. I'm like, I can't believe nobody told me this. And one of those things um, was about lament. And so my old Testament professor said one day in class, as long as you're talking to God, Whatever you're saying is a faithful response. Like you can say whatever you want as long as you're talking to God. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, that's wild. And I was fast forward. Um, I was deferred for ordination and I was at a women's conference. I was a speaker. So I was preaching like six times in a weekend like just something really crazy and yeah. um and also great i loved it and one of the women um was asking me about like the way you talk about prayer basically she was like is that allowed <laughs> i was like well let's look and we went back through the psalms and we talked about lament and how like god invites us to Talk to God any kind of way, and you don't have to um, like come reverently, and you don't have to hide your feelings from God. And it was this Most of the women in the group were older than me, and you know, these are women who are like at a church retreat, so it's not like they're, you know, like occasional attenders. Like these are like they're serious about God and the Bible and no one had ever like talked to them about lament. And so, and that really bugged me. And so the more I thought about it, the more I was like, we should. Uh, and I love the book, prophetic lament. Um, I just lost the guy's name, but uh, university press put that out, but it's very academic. Mm. And so I wanted to write a really accessible book that gave people real tools about lament. So I'm a practicing pastor and I taught English for 10 years. And I think that that definitely um, informs the way, the kinds of books I want to write. Hmm. I want to write a book where you come away and you're like, oh, this is how you do that. Like, oh, these are the tools for that. Oh, I, I can do that. Um, my theology is deeply practical, and it always will be.
0: Yeah, yeah, and this book is really, really practical. Um, it's really easy to follow as well. Yeah. You break it up into three different parts, like the, um, which I really appreciate. And it's actually, it's, it's almost like taking you through stages of,
1: mm-hmm.
0: whatever, right? Yeah. Um,
1: so it's set up so you have. Um, personal laments and then communal laments and then like lament in public to people in power. Mm. And I deeply and truly believe that you have to go through those stages in that order. So if I cannot, if I don't believe that I can cry out to God, then I am going to be worthless in communal laments. Because when people cry out to God, I'm going to tell them to stop because I won't let myself do it. So I certainly can't let you do it. Then, when people very publicly lament like unjust systems, if I have not practiced, being comfortable with my own feelings, being comfortable with those feelings the people that I trust in my little circle. Then when I watch those feelings of somebody else showing up on television, uh, because I live in America and another black man was shot by police, I'm like, <gasps> stop it. But if I have been through the, you know, if I've been through it and I know that I can trust God with my own feelings like that, and then I've learned I can trust God with other people doing that, then I instead show up to that um, as someone who will never have that experience. I'm raising white, um, feminine-presenting children. Uh, I, I can show up with compassion. But if I don't let me and God have that compassion, and then I don't have that compassion interpersonally, how am I going to bring that compassion to these big things?
0: You're right. Yeah, absolutely right. It all begins with naming what we're feeling, naming our grief, our trauma, our...
1: Or our circumstances.
0: Our circumstances. Yeah, everything that we're going through, everything that we're carrying, whatever it is, just... Naming it and allowing yourself to feel it, and be honest about it.
1: Yeah, and showing it to God, being yeah. like, "Do you see this?" Because it feels to me like maybe you don't see this. So let me make it clear to you. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that that that's that, and that is liberating because, yeah, that's something I struggled with for a long time.
1: Right. Well, um, whiteness it's deeply ingrained in whiteness yeah, and it's like deeply ingrained in my British friends (laughs) that like you need to be fine. That's what you need to be.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Stiff up a little thing that we carry on. We carry on. That's it.
1: Right. Yeah. You
0: carry on. Like, I mean like actually it's a good example of this. Mm -hmm. um we're recording about three or four days after the death of prince philip right it's three or four days ago right yeah today three or four days after her husband of 74 years died she's back at work and she's 94 and she just lost her husband
1: and also like why why
0: yeah well there's no reason for you to do that just just grieve (laughs) it's fine
1: (laughs) right or you could grieve.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. That would be a more powerful thing, in fact.
1: Right. What a testament. If she was like, actually, I'm not okay. I He was the love of my life and he's gone and I don't know how
0: to... But then, it'll be yeah, and I, and I, I know the British media as well. I know they kind of paint that as some kind of weakness or some kind of almost like a... Um, patronizing condescending like mm-hmm. oh it's really hit her hard and i'm like no she just lost her husband she was married to for 70 years well good that's going to hit you hard if you're a normal person could <laughs> you
1: imagine if it didn't hit her hard that would be interesting You guess, like um yeah. my friends and i just hear it so often people will tell me like all the things I've heard – I'm an Enneagram ter- 2, and I've heard this, and I believe it to be true, that people, like, just – they see Enneagram 2s, and they just want to tell you all the things. Like, it they just spill. It it just spills right out of them. at Strangers, like, really – anyway. So I've had a lot of people tell me a lot of things. Also, I'm a pastor, and I dig it. And um, people will, will tell me these horrible horrible things like just horrible thing after thing after thing after thing after thing happened to them. And then they'll be like, but I'm okay. And I should be grateful because, and I'm like, and very often. I've learned to stop people and say like, actually, no, you're not okay. And you shouldn't be grateful. Yeah. like That's horrible.
0: Yeah. That's Right. Yeah, I mean, in the last five or six years, I have learned to name my grief, name my trauma, name it all, feel it all, um, and it's been so liberating. Yeah, so healing and so transformative. You know, things tend, things often get worse before they get better when you do it, but they right. do get better, and you do get free.
1: Yeah. So in my. Is,
0: yeah, because your pain no yeah. longer controlling you.
1: One of my pastoral, like, at churches that I'm at, um, there are three times as many Methodist churches as there need to be in Georgia for lots of reasons, including, like, John Wesley landed here. And so, (laughs) like, he landed in Savannah. And so that makes sense, right? That there are just, like, a million Methodist churches. And we need to shut down a lot of them. Like, just, if you just look at the numbers and you look at, I mean... So that's a bummer. And also no one will say the says. No one will look at a congregation and say like, I don't know if you're going to make it. You have two more years. Except for I will. Because I think it's not fair to them. Like they should be allowed to make decisions about their church with all of the information. And yeah a piece of that information is like the bishop thinks that a third of the churches in Georgia are going to have to shut down. Yeah, and, right. You just have to say that so that you can change it or grieve it or accept it or whatever we decide we're going to do next. But first we have to say the information.
0: Yeah. That whole idea that you have to hide something from somebody to protect them doesn't generally work.
1: <laughs> well, it, it generally, even if you don't mean it, is, like, abusive on some level.
0: Yeah. It's when well, it's deceitful in a sense, isn't it? Because you're, you're not telling somebody, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to – To me, I mean, I guess for me now it's so obvious, this thing, because I've done it for five or six years mm-hmm. at least and it's just a regular pattern for me uh, and it's normalized for me and I've, I've trained myself to do it and
1: but it freaks people out, out of it.
0: It, does. Yeah, yeah. it does yeah it does yeah absolutely freaks people out and yeah. I
1: read about this in the book but like I've never been good at like not saying the says or feeling the feels and I've always taken people very much at their word. And so I am the person who if someone is like, all right, we're just going to say it. What's bothering everyone. I'm like, okay, I'll go first. I have a list. Like I ne- I always take people like right at that. And so sometimes I freak people out because when they ask me, I tell them. And then everyone's like, Oh, you weren't supposed to do that. I'm like, that's literally what they told us to do. But it's like, and I think it's become Because I come from a family that was, we said the say's, we felt the feels, like, it was super healthy. And so then I, like, bring that into places that are not as healthy. (laughs) And it it really surprises people.
0: Yeah, because the culture we're living in is not trying to do that.
1: Right. You're you're supposed to be fine.
0: Yeah, culture of certainty—you know, where everything's okay, um and you don't talk about your problems. Uh, and mm-hmm. the survival of the fittest, and it's—it's it's like you know, capitalism and certainty, religious certainty in some ways, and and just yeah, you keep going, oh, man. This all this starts in this country as well. It's what I'm, right. it's what really you annoys know, It's like it starts here. All of this, everything, it just starts here. We we colonized everything. We imposed our stuff on everybody and they took it on board and now they do it and it's all messed up <laughs> it's, it's like um stiff up a little, and it's just ingrained in you like almost a birth it's not even at, at school it's just culture
1: well if you like, ever right it's so one of the things that i talk about is the way that jesus talks to god And Jesus talks to God like the Old Testament prophets talk to God because Jesus was a Jew who was learning how to pray probably at Mary's knee. And she knew all of those prayers that were like dramatic and cry out and do all of that. And so it's, it's this really hard cycle where we don't see people lament. So we're like, oh, I guess I don't do that. And then because we don't see it we don't do it because other people don't see it. They don't do it. And then you just never do it because you never see it. Um, there are other traditions where lament is um, normalized. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you have like periods of mourning where people don't work for 12 days after somebody's died in the community.
1: And and they don't sit quietly in front of the casket. They're like keen over it.
0: Mm. There's like wailing and all this kind of thing happens. It's like crying out, you know, just lamenting, literally. Mm. (laughs) Getting it out.
1: Right. And other people Um, join them in solidarity. mm. You know, like um, I think the... Jewish idea of sitting sh- Shiva is like so powerful.
0: Oh.
1: I love that. Mm. Um, and and it's necessary. Mm. yeah. yeah. Uh, someone I was reading about their their teenager died of a drug overdose and they just took it super hard, like of course, of course they did. And she was talking about how she wished that it was like culturally appropriate for her to wear mourning clothes. How she wished like it was good. She was like, I just wish I could just like go in public, but also just have a sign on me. That's like, I'm, d- I'm deep in mourning, which is like what sackcloth and ashes are about i'm here with you but i am here's the visual reminder that this is not okay that i'm not okay that we are broken
0: yeah yeah absolutely we just it's it's like a for us to learn to lament lament as a as a society, we have to we have to literally change how we even see the world, and what is normalised and what isn't,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, because lament can be so healing and so transformative, and healing and lamenting community, which is the second part of the book, it's so powerful because you because you realise you're not alone.
1: Right. You and you don't
0: know. have to be – and you don't have to have it all together and it, and it's okay and other people validate it, you not being okay.
1: hmm Yeah, and you just take your turn. Like, but, you know, you can't, like, commodify it and you can't control it, which is why I think people aren't interested. Because they're mm. like, ooh – but, like, if I let people lament, like, whatever they felt, then, like, they they might tell the truth. And I don't – and as the – like, as the pastor, I think it's great. I'm like, sweet, let's, let me do that. But other pastors in other sort of – who are more interested in the hierarchy, like, lament is very dangerous to that.
0: Yeah, which kind of touches on the third part of the book, which is this, because – as I was reading that, I was thinking, well, there's, there's a prophetic element
1: mm-hmm. to
0: to um, lament in that it speaks the truth.
1: Yeah, and it it speaks the truth to power in just a way that cuts just cuts all the way through. Yeah, and the and the Bible even talks about how like the lowest among you like have the most right to lament. And, like, you need to hear him out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's – it. lament is – yeah, is prophetic and done well. It is a change maker. It changes things. Because, um, like, people hear it and they're like, yeah, I – and not only do I hear that I'm gonna go lament with that person because they are right. this power structure is wrong this thing that's happening shouldn't be happening
0: yeah I think back about that', that sh- this two shootings at that school and all those teenagers that mobilized because of that just started this oh, movement
1: Parkland. yeah
0: yeah, and it was. I remember it was so powerful mm-hmm. And they and, and and standing on these standing on these platforms, just speaking the truth, and it was lament. It was lament because they were grieving
1: mm-hmm.
0: these people that they'd lost yeah. and what they'd seen happen in front of them. But they were but they were speaking the truth to power right. about this system that had allowed it to happen. Right, and it was so powerful.
1: It yeah, they're great. Um. Welcome to America, where I was like, which shooting, which high schoolers, which one? Literally, I went through three in my brain before I got to Parkland. Um, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that's our reality. Like, my kids go to a public school in America, and so they have shooter drills. That's what they do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, but even like talking about that, because one of the things that lament can do is if done publicly, is it can denormalize stuff that has been normalized that shouldn't be. Yes. Right. So the Parkland kids, that's basically their lament. That's what they did. Like they, so the Parkland shooting happened when I had been teaching for like seven or eight years. So when I was a freshman in high school is when Columbine happened. Mm. So, right. So you think, and then I had been a teacher for like eight years when the Parkland shooting happened. And so my whole career we had, you know, like starting my freshman year of high school and then through my career as a high school teacher, like a shooting drills were normal. Right. Every, it was normal. That's what you do. Sometimes kids get shot really sorry, but that's just like the cost of living. And the Parkland kids lament was so powerful because they were like, actually, that that's wrong. We could just like not be afraid. We could live in a world where it's not normal. You guys, I know that everyone thinks this is normal. But like, what if it's not? What if this isn't okay? And we just like, Talk about ways that this shouldn't be normal. I hear that it is normal. That's horrible.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, they they what they said is it kind of how a lot of and living outside the states in a country where there's almost no gun crime and you know with the really tight gun laws. You know, like I don't even remember the last time there was a gun. There was a there was one gun crime in this in this country. You know. It, we all were looking at like we 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 constantly look at all these these shootings in America, and it's really sad that you can't remember which one because there's so many. Yeah, well, and we look at them, and it's like, what what is going on? How does this keep happening? Why don't they just do something? You because know, like, the powers that be have given you know, us like, that
1: it's normal. Yeah, and, exactly. and it was yeah. the lament of the Parkland kids to like shake us and do like, oh wait, maybe it's not.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's still, it was so it was so powerful uh, um that i can't yeah because and you and i got the sense that these they're not going to let this go ever they're not this isn't just a a thing for them They're like a fad this is they're not going to let this go ever until this until it gets changed
1: right they aren't and i'm glad
0: <laughs> yeah and they shouldn't let it go because it needs to be changed uh, um
1: because like why is this normal why am I like, you know, what did you do at school today? And I was like, oh, a shooter drill. Oh, that's nice. What? Like, I think about the ways that I was traumatized every single time there was a shooter drill. Because they couldn't tell us when it was. They couldn't tell us if it was real. Um. So you, like, basically, I would, like, haul all the... Freshman in high school as close as I could to, like, the middle of the room, cover all the windows, lock Mm -hmm. the doors, and then the the, like, worst bit is, like, somebody inevitably would, like, walk around the school and jiggle all the doorknobs to make sure they were locked. So you're, like, in the room with the kids. And then... The doorknob goes like, and you don't know if it's an administrator or a shooter on the other side. And that happened four times a year for 10 years when I was in the classroom. And right now, as I'm explaining like exactly what happened to you and you're like, oh my God, that's horrible. Like, oh yeah, that was bad. That was bad because it just was like part of, it was just what we did. Yeah. But when you tell the truth about it, when you're like, okay, here's what happens.
0: Yeah it's traumatizing yeah, it's like, like oh my god i was scared i was like my goodness yeah, was so i was horrified i would be like oh, yeah like I, yeah that would that would just freak me out every time um but yeah because we normalize things that happen to us sometimes we normalize this can happen with abuse as well people mm-hmm. can start normalizing abuse whether whether it's spiritual abuse emotional abuse any kind of abuse if it happens too often, you start normalizing. I say, oh, yeah, that, that happens all the time. Like, and, and part
1: because it, of it's, yeah. it's survival, you know? Yeah. That yeah. was part of survival. If I, like, really understood every single time I had a shooting drill, like how horrible that was, I never could have taught. And I really wanted to. And so there's – it's that. It's It's that. But then I think the powers that be – use they know they know if they can just let it go along enough we'll normalize it and so then that's what they do Mm -hmm. and yeah you, you need public lament to say like this is not okay this is unacceptable
0: yeah yeah absolutely i agree and that's the only way you get change right it's the only way you get change and this is this is applicable individually and it's in the the, it's applicable um in society um it's applicable anywhere right like when you you have to you have to kind of speak the truth Mm -hmm. and be honest about what's happening and about how you're feeling if you want to get free and you want to get change
1: right in the way that it affects you yeah. And then you need to be believed. Like that's one like that's one of the problems the church has is they they're like, Oh, it's not that bad. Well maybe it is. And maybe it wouldn't be for you, but maybe it is for that person.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's we need more we need more books on lament, we need more people speaking out about lament. We need to learn how to lament well.
1: Yeah, and we need to children practice. need to be
0: taught how to do this. Yeah, children need to be taught how to do this right from early on as well, and to just in a healthy way in an appropriate age-appropriate way, obviously. But but um, to be able to say how they feel about things,
1: right? And um, they do. Kids do start that way. We just get them out of it really early. Yeah, You know, it's like kids actually do know how to lament. They were so good at it, but we're like, you can't do that here. You can't let people know that you are having a hard time. It's not okay to, and it isn't, there are like, we need to set boundaries, but what we usually end up doing is just being like, Oh no, just don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my um, my uh, we had a, a a pet die the other day in this house, and my niece and nephew saw it. Oh. And, uh, right. So my sister and her partner, oh no, their parents sat with sat with them, and let them cry, let them feel it, let them talk about their feelings, let them express how they feel. Said it was okay to feel that way. Um you know, just as long as they needed, um, explained them to them what had happened and why it had happened. And I thought, wow, that's really, that's really good. Because they just, they, they, that was normalizing. It's okay to talk about how you feel.
1: Right. It's and, okay
0: to share how you feel. It's and, not, it, yeah.
1: And death makes us sad. And of course it does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so... We need to do more things like that, I think. We need to... Yeah.
1: It takes, like... I just... From the pastor perspective, it, like, takes so much time. It can take a lot of time. It does. Yeah, parenting. It's, like... Parenting is just hugely inconvenient. Because kids don't learn, like, theoretically. They learn, like, in the moment. Hmm. So who knows when that's going to be. But that's, like, how we all generally as people learn. And yeah, you just can't, yeah, you just have to let whatever happens happen. Like you, you can't control it totally. And that's hard for people. I think that's really hard for the church.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and the hardest thing is to learn how to do it when it's been, when you haven't done it your whole life. Right. and you've been taught not to do it right and you have to unlearn that and then l- learn how to how to lament and how to grieve and all those things and how yeah. to feel your pain how yeah, to and then how truth. to
1: like feel other people's pain and not center your mm. own pain in the feeling of other people which yeah. is like but if you've never felt yeah. your own i think um it's been so interesting for me to think about um, I've been talking about race for a long time on the internet. Um, I live in a predominantly black neighborhood. My kids grew up pretty much all black school. And so um, I hear the critique a lot. And I think it's valid that white people will center themselves Mm. in racial pain we should not do that. And I agree with all of that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because we haven't dealt with any pain so that when what often happens, this is an extremely immature response and I'm not defending it, but I do like, I think where it comes from is like, we haven't talked about any pain. And so then when people talk about racial pain, we're like, oh, here's an opportunity to talk about pain. I, I'm allowed to do it here. Because yeah. we haven't done it and aren't allowed to do it anywhere else. So then mm. we like, co-opt people's pain and cause more pain because we haven't dealt with ours.
0: Yeah. Hurt people hurt people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and we're grown ups, And so we needed to have handled that. But we don't know how. We have no tools because we're just supposed to be fine.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, one of the working titles for the book was I'm Not Fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think about that. I think about this scene in, in *Goodwill Hunting* at the end when, um, and it's it's so brilliantly done. Where he just, where Robin Williams' character just drops this, just drops this line into their conversation, like, "It's not your fault." He just says it lightly, like, like another thing in the conversation, like, mm. right? And he just keeps saying it, like, <laughs> like until he. Till eventually he kind of runs up against resistance and he gets aggressive. Matt Damon gets gets aggressive because he doesn't want to deal with it, and then and then he just breaks down because like ah right because he put his finger in it completely all that time, and he'd never said that he'd never said that he felt that way, um, and he'd been building up to that all the time they've been working together, yeah. And it's just that, that kind of thing is so powerful when you when you name something for what it is um, I remember somebody told me once that uh, the story of Jesus in the Bible where he cast out the demons and he calls them by their name mm-hmm. that that is that that is something to do with in that in the culture at the time when you named something you took power over it. yes. Right, yeah. So, when Jesus names named the demon, he takes power over it, mm-hmm. and it was like that was, a, that was such a good metaphor for me for naming what we're going through, right? Naming how we're feeling, naming what we're experiencing, naming what's inside of us,
1: right? And you know that naming the thing is powerful because you watch, watch what the powerful do when we name it, yeah. They're like, no, that's not it. No, you're, what are you talking about? No, we're, you know, it's like they're trying all the things, right? So like, first, like I think about people who have left the evangelical church and I've spoken out about the ways that it's um, hurtful, abusive, problematic, whatever word you want to use. And at first people were like, oh, they're being ridiculous. But then when it caught more, Movements like more people were like, actually, I think they have a point. Then it was like, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't, you're only talking about the bad stuff. There's a bunch of good stuff too. And then, and now it's like, they, they still haven't been able to stop it. And so now they're trying to co-opt the language. Well, oh, this is how you deconstruct. Oh, yeah. you know, and it's like, that's so... It's like when you name things, the people who have power because you have not named them or because no one names them, they don't like that.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right because it's prophetic because it's speaking the truth to power. Because
1: it has the capacity to change things, and what they don't want is anything to change.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And the conclusion, the part of the, the final part of the book is was really interesting, really insightful, like lament revealing the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Um, I it doesn't I just I mean, if you look at the Bible, if you're like, okay, this tells one grand story or whatever. That God also believes that it's not okay. That humanity on the track that we're on right now is not okay. And we're, we're beautiful and wonderful and we have the capacity to do beautiful and amazing things. And we do. But that collectively we just hurt each other so bad and that hurts God. Like that God grieves that, I believe. And so I think lament is the first invitation into um, God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Because the Mm -hmm. first thing we need to do is to say like, hey, what's happening right now? Not God's will. God is not down with your colonization and your systemic racism and your all the things that we have even like stamped with God's approval so that we could be powerful. Like actually that, that grieves God. And if we also grieve those things, we can join in to the work of the kingdom coming. But if we don't lament and grieve those things, then like we're not I don't think we're gonna get a ticket to that work.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly found the more that I've lamented the deeper my spirituality has become. Yeah. And the more intimate my spirituality has become because you're getting closer to the truth.
1: And there's um, less and less to fear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been really, really amazing. I love this conversation. I love talking about this. It's, um, it's such an important subject and such a powerful one, um, and transformative one. Uh, and, I really want to recommend this book to everybody, I think it's really, really important and really necessary and it's an amazing book. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's available from May, um, and June in the UK and you can pre-order it now, I think anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, definitely check that out. Uh, and where can people find you online, Abby?
1: i am at abby norman.net and i'm also at abby norman says on all the social medias
0: fantastic and do connect with her because she does interact and she's really good to interact with i, says, I mean,
1: love people so much like yeah i would love to interact with you online
0: yeah it's fun it's really good fun to interact with abby um <laughs> So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on, Abby, and, uh, and thanks for listening, everybody.